0: And welcome back to another episode of the Practice Players Podcast. Today, we are joined by Zach Collins. Zach is currently an NBA center for the San Antonio Spurs, and it is great to have you on the episode today, Zach. Thanks for having me, fellas. No, it's definitely going to be a fun one, but just to get it
1: started off, played for powerhouse Bishop Gorman, as much as the Coronado Cougar in me hates to say those words, but those teams that you were on were stacked, played with a lot of great players, but you're basically up until your senior year, you're behind a lot of star players like Chase Jeter, Zimmerman, and stuff. Then you were able to make the jump into your senior year to be Gatorade Player of the Year. So what was sort of that process like going from, you know, key reserve or role guy to that star Gatorade player?
2: Man, it was tough. It was uh, definitely like a lot of times where I just didn't want to do it. I didn't want to have to wait for my spot thought about leaving gorman um just so i could you know be on varsity and be the guy for as long as i could in high school and it was tough man but uh i always say at the end of the day it it was a huge reason why i am who i am today and also where i'm at today you know playing against those guys i mean anything in life you you play against the best or you work with the best every day and um, in high school those guys were the were the standard so being able to go up against them and practice every day and you know seeing how they how successful they were in high school and what made them successful successful and trying to take notes and <clears throat> learn from them and just again just keep going at them every single day and you know failing a lot like I failed to go up against those guys and, and be effective um, a lot of the time in high school so that just uh when I got that starting spot, it definitely prepared me and it definitely um uh made me a lot tougher. So it was it was a good thing.
3: Um into your college year, um you know, despite just playing one season at Gonzaga, you guys made a significant run, you know, to the national championship. Um how was how was it having such an important role on that team?
2: Yeah, that was crazy. Um it was just a lot of fun, man. The whole year was so fun and being there for one year and not really having to like build a team and uh, camaraderie over like two or three years, like kind of just inserting myself in what was already being built. Um, It was, uh, it was so fast paced and everything went by quickly. And um, there was just really no time to breathe really. I felt like the whole year we were so locked in on trying to win every single game and then we get into the tournament and that's like very stressful. So it was a, it was a lot of fun, man. Uh, again, <clears throat> I'm around the best players in college basketball all year, man. So we're all pushing each other every day to be better, and, and then this it's a, it's a tribute to that that program and how hard they've worked to build a culture there. And um, I always say like the way that that program is ran is is very similar to you know as similar as it can be to uh, an NBA franchise. When I got to the NBA, I felt like I was prepared, and um, that Gonzaga was a big reason for that. Yeah, I remember watching that tournament run and. You guys on
1: a team were just stellar. And one yeah. thing I always like to ask about elite programs, you know, your Villanova, your Gonzaga's, it all starts at the helm and you were fortunate enough to play for Mark Few. So if you just have, you know, a either story of what makes him so great or a funny moment or just anything along those lines.
2: Yeah, he uh, he's a great coach, man. He just gets it. He's very simple with his advice. And that's something I've seen with, I know we'll get to it, but with Coach Pop in San Antonio, You think a guy who's been around the game so long and he's got so many, you know, championship games, high level, high stress games under his belt that his advice would be super complicated and super complex and nobody would understand it. But he keeps it very simple. And that's what Coach Few does. Keeps it very simple. And obviously there's when it comes into scouting players and scouting teams, then it gets complicated. But as far as like um, advice to you in your life and the way you play the game of basketball, like Few kept it very simple. And um, he never picked favorites. He probably did have favorites. But uh, when it came to coaching us and getting on us, you know, he got on our our best player, our leader, just as hard as he got on somebody who did not play. So that that really kept us in line and really gave us no excuse but to go out there and just compete as hard as we could for him. So um, it, it was it was definitely it was dope playing for him
0: uh, the one year that you, you did play for Gonzaga, uh, in 2017, you made the all NCAA tournament team without starting a single game. Uh, a lot of athletes today want to start and they want instant gratification, but for you, you came off the bench. So what message would you give athletes at all levels uh, about not needing to start to make an impact for their team?
2: Yeah, it's starting is a, is a great thing, man. I love it. You know, I'm starting now in San Antonio and it's, it's a very freeing feeling and it's a very, uh, Um yeah, I mean, straight up you don't have that leash on you. You know, you know you're gonna come back in the game no matter how many shots you miss and um or mistakes you make. So coming off the bench, you kinda have to adjust and really learn how to be effective in a short amount of time with no real uh rhythm. You know, you're coming off, you're cold. You warmed up probably thirty minutes ago and you're you're cold again. So it's a very tough thing to do. But I would just tell guys like um the biggest thing is that especially if you're trying to get to the next level, um, uh, teams see that teams, NBA scouts see that and they say, well, if he can handle coming off the bench, you know, it, you're not necessarily always going to be like the best guy coming off the bench. But if you can if you can keep a level head, uh, be a great teammate um, and, and, and they see that you're improving every single game and every single night, um, they they really put a lot of stock into seeing guys come off the bench and, and being able to handle that. because especially going to the NBA, um, the likelihood that you're going to start as a rookie um, or even a second year guys is, is is pretty low. So, well, the league, the league is getting younger now. So I guess that's not as, as, as much of a, a rarity, but um, teams definitely put a lot of stock into that. And they know if you can handle that, that they, they can trust you to handle that in the NBA. And it's, it's not easy, but it's uh it's a very important skill to have.
1: You know, I'm speaking on a, night that changes every NBA player's career draft night. What was sort of, you know, that whole process like going in the lottery, having your family there?
2: Man, it was it was crazy. You know, you, you always watch coming up in in in, in loving Basketball. I, I idolize these people in the NBA like they were some like, just <clears throat> they were on some level of life that I, I would never get to. And I would just always be a fan. And to just go through that whole process, it's just it's completely surreal. You don't know how you got there, you don't know why you're there like it's just it, it it's it, it's incredible it kind of breaks that wall of like okay like normal people can be here and do this and like you you know i can I can be with these people that I idolized and um it's just a very odd feeling the whole time and then when when your name finally gets like I felt like I was in a movie and like I was playing a role for somebody getting drafted like it was just it was a it was a pretty special time man, and then just to have my family there and Speaking of Gonzaga, my the coach that recruited me, he was there. And Coach Few would have been there, but he had other coaching obligations. But um yeah, it was uh it was a great night, man, for sure.
0: Yeah, we, we know Coach Pop. We talk about him earlier, his, his regard is regarded as one of the best coaches to ever uh coach the game. You've played for a lot of coaches in your day, obviously. You know uh Grant Rice, who you you're very close with, and and Coach Stotts in Portland, obviously Coach Few, but what is one thing that, that separates Coach Popovich from the rest of the pack of, of not only coaches that have coached you, but coaches in general? I think his resume is
2: pretty pretty different than a lot of coaches. Uh, just the fact that he's he's got all those championships and he's had so many Hall of Fame guys and he's the winningest coach ever. And that makes him unique when you walk in the door. Um, and then when you actually play for him, you realize that he he has a lot of philosophies about life and um, what you should be, you know, educated on. You know, you should always be whatever you believe in, just be educated on both sides. You know, I told the story before, but throughout the year, we'll watch a lot of news clips of just what's going on in the world. Um, sometimes he's upset with it. Sometimes he just wants to wants us to know that there's bigger things than basketball. and. Um, that that also makes him unique as well. I just think uh, he 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 puts everything in perspective. You know, basketball is extremely important. That's our jobs. We're professionals. We have to take care of business. But um, at the end of the day, life is is, is going to happen with or without basketball, and and he knows that. And I think that's what that's a very unique uh, trait to have as a coach.
1: You know, that's awesome to hear. Definitely <clears throat> puts things in a perspective and yeah, sort of a. Going along that same line of perspective and bigger than just a game, injuries are obviously a huge part of the sport. And throughout your career, you've had some major setbacks. So what would be some advice that you give maybe to an athlete right now listening who's going through a major injury, trying to fight and get back to the court?
2: Pretty simple, man. Do you want your story to be you gave up or do you want the story to be you put everything into it and you tried to come back and make it happen? You know, I think that's... When I, when I was going through all this, um, I would say the first two, you know, I had the shoulder surgery and then I had the, which was like, I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll come back. Then I had the ankle and then I still was like, fine. Like it was a fluke thing. It's a bone, it'll heal. Um, and then the second surgery happened and then I, then I was getting, I don't want to say worried, but like, I was like, is this, is this going to be it for me? Like, is this my story? Cause it just kept going bad. Um, but even then I just told myself, like, just keep pushing, show up every day with a good attitude. Um, uh, but then the third surgery happened and that's when I definitely had thoughts of like, man, this is it. Like, I don't, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Like another one just for it to fail in six months. So that at that moment, I was just like, I I, I I'm like, I, well, if I'm going to go out, I want to go out, you know, my way, knowing that I put my best foot forward and if I if I can't ever play again or if I have to, you know, go down to the G League because no team want to sign me because I'm, I'm I'm injury prone, whatever. Like um, I knew that it wasn't going to be because my effort wasn't there. Um, so that that's basically what I told myself. And it, and it definitely helped me. Um, and then once I got past that and then you have a plan in place with rehab and then it's just about showing up every day with a with a good attitude. You know, don't don't be a victim. Um, your situation is what it is. It's not going to change. And, um, you have the the choice to show up and, and, and enjoy life and enjoy, enjoy rehab, try to make it fun. And, um, before you know it, you'll be back. So that, those are my, those are the biggest things for me going through that.
3: Um, recently there was a viral, uh, video that came out, uh, your teammate, Jeremy Sohan and, uh, Victor recently got the same haircut. We were wondering if you're going to, add on to that maybe maybe die just like that
2: oh man many sleepless nights thinking about this (laughs) uh no i will not be doing that i'm gonna keep it pretty pretty basic i'm gonna gel my hair keep a fade and just keep it moving i'm gonna let them them handle the crazy hair (laughs) yeah the fade is definitely a safe place to be For sure. It's a safe place. It's one less thing to worry about, man. So I'm going to keep it there for now. Yeah. But bouncing
1: back to basketball, have to ask it. What was your welcome to the NBA
2: moment? Uh, I think I had a couple like. I think honestly, just going into summer league, I had a I had a kind of a rough start. You know, my summer league, my first summer league wasn't that great to my standards i guess and just you know being a top 10 pick you want to go in and, and really set the tone and i just i didn't and um there was i just i remember talking to my parents i'm like damn this is gonna be a lot harder than i thought it was and that was just summer league and then um but obviously like i didn't give myself a break if i would have go back i would have told myself like relax this is part of it like you're you're gonna fail like it's just it's a process you're gonna get better over time and i wish i would have giving myself a little bit of grace, but I didn't back then. So that was one of my um, welcome to the NBA moments. And then just really just being on the court with all these guys, like I said before, that I just idolized and watched highlights, like countless highlights on YouTube of these guys and um, screaming at the TV, cheering for these guys, man. And, and now I'm on the same court um, trying to guard them and stop them and, and play with them. It was, it's, it was a, the whole, my whole rookie year, you know, every night I was playing against somebody that I've watched on TV for so many years. And it was, a uh, it was pretty wild, man. And then obviously I had moments where like, I was trying to box somebody out and they were just so much stronger than I was. And the game was really fast. So I, I don't know if there was a specific in-game moment, but there was definitely like throughout that whole rookie year, I was like, damn, I'm really doing this. It's crazy. Um.
3: You've gotten into some scuffles in your career. What's what's your uh, most memorable like, you know, story that you've gotten into with a player? Uh
2: most memorable To be honest, I try to forget about them. You know, I don't something comes out of me, man, that I don't I don't necessarily, you know, love, but um Ah, <sighs> scuffles, man. Um, there's one that I don't, I don't really, um, that no one really knows about. So I guess I'll talk about that one because you got the, the one that blew up with Clay and the Warriors and all that stuff, which was fine. But, um, uh, there was one my rookie year, speaking of welcome to the NBA <clears throat> with, uh, with David West. He was on the Warriors and, uh, he was going at me um and just being super physical and you know he's an old school big so just super strong and and maybe playing a little dirty here and there um just you know smartly because he's he's got all that experience and we were just going at it and he just he just kept talking to me and talking to me and talking to me and you know trying to punk me and um i remember being pretty scared to be honest <laughs> I was uh I was pretty nervous and uh but I ended up, you know, talking back to him and I don't know where this came from but I just kept talking back to him and I was like in my head I was like yeah, I'm nervous and scared but I'm not like he can't know that like I have to go back at him like I have to say something and um that was just kind of the start of it I guess and that's the mentality I kept working with throughout the throughout my career and it just escalated more and more every year it seems like so uh <laughs> but uh but yeah that was one that kind of i was like all right i'm just gonna i'm not really gonna take any crap you know i I can't do that i'd rather deal with the consequences of that than the other way so uh that that first scuffle with david west is pretty funny yeah
0: yeah david west seems like somebody i wouldn't want to mess with he's uh been leaked for a long time and and you know
2: like i've heard stories of him training like boxing and shit and i was
0: like oh I'm (laughs) i'm good Uh, Speaking of other NBA bigs around the association, what's one NBA big in particular for you that has been really tough to guard that you don't think gets enough credit?
2: Um, That doesn't get enough credit. Um, There's a lot of guys that you you go against that don't really do a lot of things that show up in the highlights. Like Kavon Looney is one who, uh, when you're out there playing against the Warriors, like every – Every time they can miss a three, like you have to rebound. You can't give them another chance because they're probably going to make it. Um, and he does such a good job of rebounding and his positioning and how strong he is. He just, he's a, he's a, he's a magnet for rebounds. And, um, he's definitely a tough guy to go against. Uh, I'm trying to think guys that don't get a lot of credit. Um, you, of course, you have, you know, Stephen Adams who, Again, another rebound guy who's just so strong and hard to get around. Um trying to think who else. Vucevic is really good. Vucevic, he's really he's kind of a guy I feel like who doesn't get a lot of a lot of credit. You know, I've seen him do stuff on the court, just he just kind of makes it look so easy and um he's a guy who can hit, you know, mid range. Like if you're playing drop coverage on a pick and roll. Um you're usually okay with big shooting mid-range, but he can hit those. But he also can hit pick-and-pop threes, and then he also can hit you with a quick spin move in the post. So there's just like three ways he can get to a bucket, and that's that's definitely hard to guard. Uh,
0: another question I'll ask, what's, uh, what's your Mount Rushmore of favorite teammates you've played with at, uh, at all your levels of your career, whether it's high school, college, or the pro? Uh... Greatest teammates. I'll, I'll just stick to.
2: I'll go college too. um Nigel Williams-Goss was a great teammate in high school, or uh, I'm sorry, in college. He was. He really set the tone for, um for just how we were going to carry ourselves as a team, and really had us with the mindset that we were the team to beat the whole time in college. So we all we all carried ourselves like we were, you know, professionals, basically. So. He set the tone with that, and that was a huge reason why we went so far. Um, Another great teammate, um, Myers Leonard was a great teammate in Portland. Uh, Damian Lillard, great teammate. Treated everybody the same, even though he's the the guy. Um, Who else in Portland? Let's say Evan Turner, great teammate. How many spots is on Mount Rushmore? I don't even know. Five?
1: those four
2: four. Four. all right I'll just stick with those four
1: then those are great Uh, I like that Evan Turner pick Buckeye and uh talking about current Buckeyes now you got my boy Malachi over there with you and obviously Jeremy Victor a lot of young players surrounding you and you sort of quickly became a veteran presence for such a young team so what's sort of you know that like and has anything changed with whether it's your mindset or leadership to now be a guy that players sort of look at as a guy with time in the league?
2: Yeah, it's definitely changed. It's definitely a challenge. I'm not, I'm not a super vocal person um, when it comes to being a leader. So that, that is definitely a challenge to get out of my shell a little bit. And um, you know, it's definitely not a role I thought I'd be in so early and so young. I'm still 25 and, but seven years in the league, you know, there's no excuse, you know, you are the veteran. So especially like you said on this team. Um, it's definitely a challenge, you know, just to try to find the line of, you know, the way I was, the vets that I had was kind of in, in Portland as a rookie. That was kind of like a, the dying generation of like really old guys, like 30, 35 that are in the rotation, that are um, being, elite, being your, your vets, being the leaders, being the voices in the locker room that's a lot it's it's different in the NBA as a whole I think and it's just especially like you said on our team it's different so um yeah just having to grow up I guess a little quicker than I thought I was gonna have to is is part of the job now so um it's definitely I'm you know I'm looking forward to it and our our young guys do a pretty good job of um carrying themselves anyway so it's it hasn't been too hard.
3: Um, you spoke highly of Dame on your Mount Rushmore pick. Can you talk a little bit about like just Dame as a player and his work ethic and how he's come throughout his career? Yeah, man, work ethic
2: second to none. He just he goes so hard and uh, never cheats the process. He uh, he's always in the gym. He's always working on his stuff and and uh, working on his body, taking the game serious. Um. And it's just his spirit, you know, his competitive spirit. He's, he never thinks he's out of a game, no matter how much time is left. And I can just remember regular season games, just, just hearing him like, you know, every game was so important to him. Um, he, cause, you know, he's been in the league. When I was there at that point, he's been in the league long enough to know how important it is to have a good record going in the playoffs and to have a sense of urgency in November, not just February and March. So, um, that was definitely something that was it was great for me to see, great for me to be around. And uh, Dame time
1: obviously has produced some memorable NBA moments, as Daniel as a Thunder fan can attest to. But <laughs> at, <laughs> your time with Dame, if you had to pick just one, what would be your favorite moment?
2: Oh, man. Favorite moment. There was a... Uh there was definitely times where, um, no, I'll I'll say this, uh, when he, when he and Russ went at it in that, and to bring up the thunder, um, not just the shot, but that whole series, I felt like he really, he really, um, took, I don't want to say personal, like, like, like Russ was in his head, but like, he really wanted that matchup. Um, and the crazy thing is not a lot of people talk about, we were losing to the thunder all year. Like, I think, they beat us three times, and if we didn't play him four times, they they beat us majority of how many times we played him, Did three or four times. So, I because I even remember uh, when our last game of the season before we go into that that first round, um, there was a there was a way that we would lose our last game. If we lost, we we wouldn't play the Thunder, and I think I don't want to. Sp- speak for everybody but i'm pretty sure the vibe was that nobody in the organization wanted to play the thunder and i remember dame being and honestly as players we all actually weren't afraid of the thunder like we all felt like we could beat him but dame was really the one vocal like no nah, this is the one i wanted like he wanted to play them, um and that was cool to see just because we we had lost to him in the regular season but he just knew he he had another gear um, and he was super motivated. And I thought that whole series, he didn't shy away from from guarding him. He didn't shy away from trying to score the ball for us. And um, it it was fun to see that mentality for sure. Yeah,
1: that series was definitely fun to watch. And I'm glad that Dan just had to relive the flashbacks of the war that that was <laughs> on this episode. Kind
0: of forgot about it till now. So <laughs> Uh, no, but well, it, it, it was cool to cool to watch for, for them. It, 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 it was. It was cool. I mean, both, they you both were... went out of time, man. It was dope. At the time, I may have not thought it was cool, but <laughs> going back on it now, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. okay. It's okay. <laughs> no, nah, but without the
1: trolling, you know, throughout your career, you've been a high-energy guy, love your physicality. You know, it seems every time you're on the court, you're going at dudes and you don't really care who it is. You've obviously had... Run-ins, like you said, with Clay, LeBron, Westbrook, just various superstars. So what sort of, you know, your mentality or maybe advice you'd give where whoever the competition is just to keep going and not shy away?
2: Yeah, man, I I just I feel like people, a lot of people like to test you and just to see what they can get away with. I think when your opponent sees that you're not going to back down and um, you're going to, if you lose a battle, you know, let's say they, they score on you, or, or, or you, you're going at them, and you can't hit a shot, and they're getting stops on you. But if you just keep going and keep going and keep going, and keep going at them, and 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 eventually they're going to break down. I think when opponents see that they, they uh they stop testing and they kind of back off a little bit. And I think that's something that's very important. And 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 really, I mean, you can relate that to life too. Just you know, constantly showing up, no matter how many times you get as corny as it sounds, how many times you get knocked down, you just keep going. Um, I, I think in the NBA, especially as a young player, the guys definitely want to go at you and they want to see what you can handle. They, they want to see what they can get away with. And, um, for me, it was just, you know, I don't want to show any weakness. You know, I want to also, I, I want to be able to go at the best guys. Like, I, I don't, I, I want to be, you know, going at Joe Schmo compared to Joel Embiid or, um, Jokic is, is a lot different you know so I want to keep the same energy no matter who I'm playing um, so I just try to do that well
1: Joe Schmo happens to be my favorite player so I'm only slightly offended here <laughs> <laughs> but you know one thing we always like to ask to sort of get to the end of the episodes is what's next for Zach Collins whether it's you know career goals life goals after basketball just maybe something interesting that you have planned
2: Man, I wish I had a great answer for you, man, but I'm really just trying to uh, be locked in right now. You know, injury wise, I had been through so much and I'm finally getting a chance to, you know, my going into my third year in Portland. I was a starter for three games and then I had the shoulder and I was out for the rest of the year. And um, I'm at a point now where the spot's there um, for me to go, go earn again and um, just 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 really start, you know, another um great section of my career, you know, so that's what I'm really focused on right now and uh, trying to stay healthy. So um, uh, I don't really have any too many plans as far as after basketball or in the next few years. So um, apologize, man. I can't give you a better answer. Maybe next time.
0: No, we'll, we'll end you on one last non-basketball related question. Uh, obviously one thing that we've talked about on this podcast in previous episodes is, Uh, location for basketball, living in different places, right? You've lived in Spokane in college, San Antonio and Portland, but we've all been Vegas kids. We all grew up in Vegas. So what's one thing that Vegas has that none of those places have that you, you might be homesick during the season that Vegas has,
2: I feel like they have a lot of different flavors in one spot, you know, on the strip there's, there's restaurants from the places that I play in there's restaurants from New York, Boston, LA Phoenix, Um, and they're all right here in one spot. Um, um, I, I don't know something about being home in general is great. And then on top of that, you have the strip, you have all the, you can have that lifestyle of like going out and having a good time, you know, seeing all the best shows, acts, having the best food, but you can also, as you guys know, being from Vegas, you know, when you tell people from Vegas, they don't realize how strong and fun the community is outside of the strip. So. Um having that along with the best, you know, nightlife as far as, again, shows, food, partying, like, you know, it's all there for you. So um, I, I think that's very unique for Vegas. You know, I, I'd love it if the weather wasn't so scorching hot all the time in the <laughs> summer. But, you know, like I said, we're all from Vegas. We grew up in it, man. We're not as sensitive to it as others, so we we can deal with it a little bit. And also, I you know if I need to go to California, go to the beach, it's it's a it's a very short drive. Um, there's just a lot out here that I like personally.
0: Well, Zach, we're beyond thrilled to be able to have you on, and we can't thank you enough for for joining us today. Thank you guys, man. This is fun. It was a lot of fun. Appreciate you joining us. Wishing you a
1: healthy year. Tuned into a lot of Spurs games last year for Malachi, and now I just have another reason to watch. So i going to be rooting for you guys.
2: Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it, guys. Yes, sir. But
1: great episode. And as always, PPP out. Peace.